Identity is such a frequent topic of discussion in society today. In the American culture, individuality is of the utmost importance. Now, this isn't true of every country. It's true in our country, but many countries identify themselves firstly as part of a community rather than just their own individuality. And this can be good in some ways, right? But it can also cause disconnectedness and isolation and loneliness and, and to feel apart from everyone else. Socrates said to know thyself. Aristotle said that knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And perhaps there is something to what these philosophers said, but this discussion of identity, of knowing yourself, has become increasingly confusing. What does it mean to know who I am? What does the word I even mean? Is it my body? My mind? Is there a part of me that isn't just chemical and bodily function? What is consciousness? Am I different from the animals because I'm aware of my own existence? What does that mean? Is there uh, some part of me that lasts past this life? What does the word M mean? To be? Is what I am what I will always be? Or are there some predestined characteristics of who I am? Is what I am simply dictated by my feelings and my impulses? Are any of those impulses unhealthy? Or should I follow out every desire in order to get to who I am? To find identity is a quest in this culture right now. They believe that if they could just be their authentic selves and if I could just uh, be whatever I want and have everyone endorse that, then, then I will feel accepted and I will feel valued and worthy and happy and peaceful if I can just get to what I am. But the story of God and creation and Jesus and redemption answers these questions of identity. Firstly, I am a child of God, and I am loved, and I am a sinner, but I am forgiven. And I, I am wicked, but I am more loved than I could ever imagine. And we get to know who we are because God has revealed himself to us. And he made us, and he tells us who he is. See, when you look at a painting or a sculpture or some of our beautiful stained glass, you get to understand more about the artist. And the more you understand about the artist, God, the more you understand about creation, me. We are his workmanship. He is the potter and we are the clay. Acts 17, 28. Paul tells the people of Athens, this uh, apostle that has had an interaction with Jesus, and he goes to this uh, pagan city of Athens that has gods to every uh, person and every uh, 
you know, piece of nature that is possible. And Paul tells the people of Athens in Acts 17, 28, he says that we should seek God. And perhaps they feel like they should feel their way towards him and find him. It's this constant idea of searching out for God. But then Paul says, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And Paul says, even some of your poets, these, these people that are not believers, they say, for we are indeed his offspring. See, you cannot know yourself if you do not know God, your maker. And if you try to understand who you are apart from God, you're like a ship in a storm without an anchor, tethered to nothing, drifting on the rocky waves of your whims and desires and emotions. And there's nothing tethering you to anything. There are many messages out there about God from outside of us and from inside of us. Our sins cry out that God is mad at us. And confusion about who God is tells us that God is far away and he is distant and he is unknowable. And the broken messages of a disoriented world tell us that God is not loving and that he is unreasonable. And this is why it's so important for you to know who God says he And the deeper relationship that you have with God, the more you're going to understand your identity, the more you're going to know who you are. Why? Because you are made in the image of God. In the first chapter of the Bible, God, the Trinity, says in Genesis 1, 26, says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. There is a connection between who God is and who we are. And I said all that to say this. When God tells us who he is, it's not just a frivolous statement to skim over. When God tells us, I am the bread of life, like we saw last week, that means something about who I am. He says, I am the bread of life. And that tells us that I am hungry. Jesus Is my daily bread. Let's turn in our Bibles uh, to John 15, verse 1. You should have a Bible there in front of you on your pew, or if you want to look in your notes uh, on your CBC app or your own Bible. We're going to read eight verses here. We'll see this next I am statement of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch that can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you, unless you abide in me. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches that are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And Jesus understood his audience when he gave people this metaphor. He knew that they were an agricultural people that would understand and know how hard it was to work the land and to get a good harvest. Jesus talked often about reaping and sowing. And the people knew that in order to get a good grape harvest, there needed to be some hard work. In the beginning, in Genesis, it starts off with two people tending a garden. And then the prophet Isaiah, he uses the same metaphor as he talks about the Hebrew people as being God's vineyard. Michael Hodman says this about this passage in Isaiah where he says that the Hebrew people are God's vineyard. The Lord, the keeper, expects his vineyard to yield good grapes, representing justice and righteousness, because he has deeply and painstakingly cared for it, showering his people with his goodness and love and grace. But instead, the vineyard produces only wild grapes. Wild grapes are sour and inedible and entirely useless. The original Hebrew word translated as wild here is associated with stinking and worthless, things that are only fit to be thrown out. So what Israel is producing here in these Old Testament stories where God's talking to them, it was unfruitful. And God is this uh, gardener, but the harvest is worthless. And that's, that's who we are when we try to get to God apart from him. But we have Jesus as our vine. He says, I am the vine. And Jesus gives stability and nutrients like, like a, a strong trunk of a tree. We've got an apple tree in our yard. And last year, it hardly produced any apples. And there are some branches on it that are dead and Even a storm not long ago uh, just blew a whole giant branch down. And then there's another one that was dead. So I hooked up the winch on my Jeep and I tried to pull the whole thing off and it didn't work. And I almost died. (laughs) But after, after last year's bad harvest, we decided to put some... Uh, fertilizer there and these pegs that you drive into the ground and it's so much better this year. But if we eventually continually got no harvest from this apple tree and the branches began to die and rot out, eventually we would have to take the whole tree down. But Jesus is our trunk that gives us stability and nutrients and it grounds us to the earth where all of what we need is. We can be fruit-bearing branches. Jesus reminds us that he is our source of life, and he is our source of production and connection to God, the true vine. And it is where fruitful life begins. That's how fruitful life is sustained. See, this is the countercultural argument 
today for you is that a life that bears fruit comes from a connection to Christ, not the best and most authentic version of ourselves. There is not some hidden you that you could unlock and fix all of your problems. No, you are made to be connected to Christ and to have communion with him daily and to attach yourself to who he is. And from him, he is our source to bear fruit. Jesus was also drawing from other Old Testament references to Israel as the vine. Israel was a vine that God transplanted from Egypt to be planted on a hill, but it became a vine that was corrupt and they uh, unfruitful and there was no justice and there was wickedness and they took advantage of people and they worshiped other gods. And eventually it was, it was cut down and they were handed over into exile. But Jesus says, I am here. I am the fulfillment of what you should have been. I am the true vine, the vine that you couldn't be. And Jesus fulfills that Israel uh, covenant that God had with them to for Abraham and Moses and David and all these promises. Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. And, and, and to obey God and to help us bear fruit. Do you really believe that apart from him, you can do nothing that really matters in eternity? Living a life full of meaning comes from a connection to Christ, our source of life. And unless you are connected to that true vine, you will be like a branch that is broken and drying and rotting. Your life will be fruitless and you will come to the end of yourself withered. When Pastor Josh talks about this passage, he always says, be the branch. Be the branch. Don't try to be the vine because we don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to be good and righteous. And this means we need to understand our place, right? We need to understand that we are not called to be the vine that produces life and nourishment. And maybe you're trying to be the vine for other people and you're being sucked dry and you're left with nothing. You need to make sure that you are connected to the source. We can't be the vine. You can't be the vine for someone else. Our spouse can't be the vine for us. Your parents or friends or job or popularity or respect can't be the vine. It will all be left dried and withered and broken. We can't be the vine, and that is why Jesus came. Apart from him, we are dead and lifeless, unable to do anything good, unable to earn God's favor and love. And the message for you today from Christ through God's word is this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Be the branch. See, knowing who God is shows you who you are. And a branch that's not connected to the vine is dead, purposeless, and rotting. And you will be aimless and lifeless without the vine and empty. And you may have big hopes 
and dreams uh, for your life and maybe even a desire to know God and to live a life that glorifies God. But unless you embrace your role as the branch and stay connected to the vine, then you won't bear fruit in your life. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You won't find goodness within yourself. You won't bear fruit from the resources inside you. See, this is the gospel. That I was full of sin and unable to fix that. Unable to be good or to earn God's love and favor through my own effort. And Jesus came to be that perfect vine. And he lived a perfect life in our place and died the death that we deserved and was sacrificed as the spotless lamb. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Jesus took on all of our sins. And in exchange, he gave us his righteousness. And that should be a great relief for you. Because I'm not called to produce righteousness in my own efforts. I've tried, and it doesn't work. It only leads to guilt and frustration and uh, just annoyance at my own actions. You're not called to produce on your own, but instead to, uh, to abide and to uh, connect to the one who is your righteousness and to rest in his finished work as my only means for producing fruit, my only means for righteousness and salvation, abiding in the true vine. That is where we find a life of purpose and righteousness. A life that bears fruit is a life that is connected to Christ. Not the best version of yourself. The book of Galatians in chapter 5 lists the fruit of the Spirit as being evidence for a life that is connected to the true vine of Christ. So things like love, and joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. This is what it looks like to produce a life of fruit and to be a fruit-bearing branch. See, we should live a life full of these attributes, not because we're trying to earn God's favor, but because we have God's favor, because of what Jesus did in our place. An apple tree doesn't try harder to produce apples. It's not flexing and forcing itself until it uh, shoots out a bud and then it grows into an apple. No, it produces apples because that's its identity. An apple branch produces apples because it's identity and because it's healthy, because it's connected to the nourishment from the trunk. And that's true of you as well. It, it, good works are not the root of your salvation. Good works are the fruit of your salvation. And we live lives full of good works when we live out what Christ has done for us and we stay connected to the vine and simply be the branch. The branch that says, I can't produce good fruits unless 
I completely am connected and reliant on the true vine. These verses also say that if we abide in him and his words abide in me, then I can ask God for our wishes and he will give them us all. That sounds great, right? Yes, I'm going to get my Christmas list ready and so God can grant all my wishes. I'm going to get like a Tesla truck, you know, a cyber truck or something like that. But obviously, God's not telling us to start boat shopping here. He's saying, if you're connected to me and you understand who I am, you're going to care about my will and my purpose on this earth, and you're going to pray kingdom prayers. Later, James warns us not to pray with the wrong motives to satisfy our own pleasure. But if we're connected to the vine, we'll have those desires of our heart that come from God, and we'll pray prayers that look like Jesus and bring his kingdom and his will. John Piper says the more we are Saturated by the words of Jesus, the more our prayers will be answered. Because when we connect and abide in the vine, we're going to desire the things, the fruit that he wants to produce through us. We're going to desire those things. So doing good things in my life and loving God and my neighbor, it never comes from me trying harder. And you may have heard that growing up. You need to do this and you need to do that and all these laws that would come down. And as you hear them and you uh, listen to them, you just think about, your, you know, how am I going to do all these things? How am I going to keep myself good? And how am I going to abstain from uh, temptation? How am I going to do all that? You can't. And you're not called to. You're called to abide in the vine. And if you connect yourself to Christ, it will be a natural occurrence that these fruits and this uh, stray, uh, running from temptation and these things that you don't have, these attributes that aren't natural to you, all of that will come from my connection to the vine as I am the branch. And as I abide in what Jesus has already done, he will produce these things in me. I can love my neighbor because I have experienced how deep Christ's love, God's love is for me. And I could show grace to my neighbor because I've seen just how much grace Jesus has given me. And recipients of great love and great grace become generous givers of such love and such grace. Love and joy and peace and kindness, these things are not normal for humans. They don't come from inside you. And you will not produce these things on your own. Not authentically. You may show love to somebody that loves you. Well, that's, that's not super really love, right? That's a transactional situation. You might do something good to be seen of people or to feel better about yourself, but that's not authentic. That's something that you are desiring in and of yourself. But if you are connected to the vine, Christ can produce these things on our own and through us. 
And people might even think that you're weak or you're stupid for showing these types of attitudes toward people and you're getting taken advantage of and, and all these things that you, you shouldn't do that. Produce these fruits. Or maybe you're looking at patience and goodness and self-control and you say, that's not me. That's just not who I am. That's okay. Because you're just the branch. Your identity is in Christ. So connect yourself to the vine and watch what Christ makes out of you. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. God wants you to have a life-giving relationship with him. Connect daily. Spend time with God in his word and then serve others and study God's word and let it roll around in your mind and meditate on it and then call out in prayer and live it out in community with other Christians. Show hospitality, connect to Jesus and produce fruit. The Bible tells us that this is how we can tell whether other followers of Jesus are genuine by their fruits, by what their life produces. And so that's our question. Are we, are they, church, are we abiding in the vine? Because all this is made possible only by connection to the true vine of Jesus, not by getting to the most authentic version of ourselves through a daily connection to Christ. That's how we find the ability to produce fruit. And we find the ability to have a new life. Jesus is the one that does the changing. And this happens when we simply be the branch and abide in Jesus and what he has done. And if you're here today and you're, you're living a life like you're the vine... And you're trying to squeeze out nourishment in this life without God. You're going to be disappointed. Your identity, who you are, is found in Christ. And his I am tells you who you are. He says, I am the bread of life. Because you're hungry. He says, I am the vine. Because you need nourishment. And you need connection to something outside of yourself. So I am the vine and you just be the branch. Be the branch. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. He is the vine. We are the branches. And a life that bears fruit is a life connected to Christ. Let's take a moment pause to meditate on what God is speaking to our hearts about this morning. The band's going to come, and let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Take a breath here at the beginning of the week, here on a Sunday. Start this thing off connected to the vine.
There's often times in our lives where we look around and things seem fruitless. Things seem barren. And sometimes those are times of just, it's a winter season. And it's okay. Job saw times like that where he was connected, but what was going on around him just it was hard, and it was rough, and it was cold, and it was dark. But he continually to relied on God. And even when he had questions and doubts, he made sure that he connected to the one that made him, to the I am. The I am that is everything that we are not. And this morning, you need to connect. There's going to be harvests in your life where you're going to produce these things supernaturally. Kindness, supernatural kindness, supernatural love. If we are connected to the vine. But if you're living disconnected. If you're apart from the vine. You're not going to produce these things, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be dry. It's going to be broken. And Jesus calls to you and says, connect to me. Why don't you pray that prayer today? And say, God, I'm the branch. I'm the branch. I can't produce. I can't get the nourishment. I can't get the connection. I can't get the energy. I can't get what I need because I don't produce those things. I'm the branch. Why do you make a commitment and a recommitment to connect to him? And to realize that he is the vine and to admit that he is your source of anything good that lasts for eternity. Maybe you're here today and you don't yet know Christ. It's not a matter of connecting to your source of life because you're not yet a child of God. You're here and that's awesome. That's amazing. I'm here to tell you that there's some bad news. The bad news is this, is that we're sinners and we're broken and that apart from him we can do nothing. And sin broke this world and we see it played out over and over again all throughout our culture and through other countries and through every person. Sin brings death. War, famine, disease and hurt and pain and relational trauma all these things rushed into this world through sin but Romans 5 8 tells us that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners even though we had this problem of sin Christ died for us 2,000 years ago 
Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, stepson of a carpenter, walked this earth, and he ate and drank, and he lived this life, was tempted like we're tempted, but yet without sin, and an innocent person who had preached and done miracles, God in the flesh, he laid down his life on the cross to make a bridge for us to get to God. God can't be and in fellowship. A perfect and a holy God can't be in fellowship with sin. But because Christ came and died in our place, and he took the punishment that we deserved, and he lived out the greatest act of love that's ever been done, the victory of the cross. And we have a way to get to God his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave, breaking the chains of sin and death forever. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's your challenge today. If you don't yet know him, if you're not a child of God, you can call on his name and say, Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I'm, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. I know you're my only way. The words aren't important this morning. The, this prayer is not just something that you repeat. It's a cry out from your heart. God, I know I'm a sinner. I understand the penalty of my sin. I repent. Please forgive me. Save me. If you haven't yet done that, I, I urge you to call out to God this morning. And there's not been a time and a place where you can look back to and say, that is when I became a follower of Jesus. Why don't you do that today? Choose Jesus. We're going to sing here in just a minute. Worship God do what we were made to do, to glorify God and to bring praise. If that's you and you made that choice today, I'd love for you to put that on your connection card. Hand that in. One of those black boxes here in the, halfway through the sanctuary here. And write, I chose Jesus on I'd love to be able to follow up with you about that choice that you made. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray that you just put such a burden on our heart to connect to you, the vine. Help us to remember when we're trying to do things on our own and make things happen and force things that we are just the branch. You're the one that does the work. You're the source. God, I pray you help us to follow you. 